Hello! I'm Julie Foudy, and this is Lynn Ozawi Wowie. How goes it, Lynn? Julie, how are you? I'm great. Good to be back. We're back. We're back. We are back. We're pumped to be back in action after a, a crazy, crazy summer of about three months on the road. But took a little breather. Season two starts October 23rd, and it starts, I'm happy to announce, with one of my favorite humans of all time. I call her the kinger, the great Billy Jean King. But before t- season two launches, we have, because we wanted to give the people what they ask for, give the people what they want. We have a bonus week. It is called World Cup Champs Week, October 14th through the 18th. So let's go through that list real quick, Len. Who we got on Monday? Monday, Alex Morgan and Kelly O'Hara together. Second on Tuesday? Carly Lloyd. Carly, oh, that's a good one too. Uh, On Wednesday? Julie Ertz and her BFF, Crystal Dunn. Nice. They're adorable. Thursday? Sam Mewis and Rose LaBelle. Two youngsters, more adorbs. And (laughs) to close out the week on Friday? Jill Ellis, the head coach. And two-time World Cup champion. She, too, had a bit of a crazy summer. But before we get to World Cup Champs Week, we thought we should take a look back at Season 1 and give out some awards. Why not give out some awards? So in honor of our dope village, we figured it most fitting to call them, drumroll please, the Dopies. You have the Oscars, you have the Emmys, the Grammys, and now shining bright on the top of the podium, outshining them all, you have the Dopies. So the Dopies are a little retrospective, a look back at some of our favorite moments from season one. So get comfortable listening. Welcome to the Dopies. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. Roll the crowd noise, Lynn. Welcome to season one, The Dopies. And the crowd goes wild. The crowd goes crazy. Okay, we have to start our first Dopey Award with the OG Dopey. The reason we are called The Dope Village. Because Carrie Walsh Jennings is the OG to the podcast. She agreed to record a test episode for us without any promise of it ever seeing the light of day. And she ended up giving us one of the greatest lines from season one in her cheer at the end of the episode. Give it a listen. How about a cheer? Career cheer. The way I'm supported in my life with my people is just, it makes it all just happen. So starting with my parents and then all across the board. And being a woman now, chasing these dreams, like my girlfriends are just everything. And my husband's so supportive. It's just, it doesn't work without the village, you know. My village is dope. My village is dope. (laughs) (laughs) If you say it like that, yes. My village is dope. I love that. (laughs) The other laughter permitted OG is, of course, Mariel Ham. Or as many know her, Mia Ham. And this award we are calling I Peed My Pants Three Times Award. Just for the record, Julie is the one who peed her pants three times because she (laughs) has issues with that. (laughs) I did. This is known as the split pants story. Please enjoy. It was really great. I think this was one uh, one of Tony's last jokes on me. And uh, it happened at just the right time. So, you know, after Tony passed, I was I went to the funeral and then we had a camp and then I flew to Zurich for a development committee meeting. And this was a smaller group. So they're called bureaus. And um, I was one of the committee members there. And I have a, a FIFA blazer and a shirt. And so I have to provide my own pants. So I had a pair of pants, you know, gray I pants. Them, not give you pants. Uh-huh. And um, 
So I'm, we went to lunch early. We were at FIFA, but went to this little restaurant just outside. And I remember getting up to go use the restroom. And we, were, we had been sitting outside under trees, so there's kind of like leaves and stuff on the chairs. So I got up to just wipe the back of my bum and my legs, and I felt this hole like down the middle of one pant leg. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a hole. And so you had seams down the middle of each, the back of each pant leg. I was like, that is weird. (laughs) So I go into the restroom, and the other funny part, it's this old house. Um, And the mirrors are only like, you know, above waist high. So I can't see where this hole is. So I'm standing up on the toilet trying to look at the mirror across the room. I can't, like, I can just feel it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So we walk, we're walking to the meeting and um, one of my fellow committee members, I leaned down and was like, I'm, I need help. Like, I have a hole in my pants, and it's getting worse. Um, so we stop at the front desk. They have, they have a mending kit. In my hoo-ha. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this story. Keep going. So they have a mending kit. Uh, this is people. So I go... This is the best part about and, it. <laughs> What's so great, because the whole time is where I sit in every meeting is towards the front. Uh, And I usually, I usually get up and say hello to when (laughs) the president comes in, because he comes in and, and starts every meeting. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to stand up and my backside's going to be to the rest of the committee. I'm going to have two huge, because now I found out I have a second hole in my other pant leg. <laughs> so my pants are slowly becoming chaps. <laughs> Every time I sit down, it just pops the seam. <laughs> it's getting worse by by each squat, pretty much. <laughs> so I go in to the bathroom. And we're meeting inside their fitness facility. So I'm in the locker room. I have a towel around me. I open the mending kit. There is no needle. There is more thread that I could have stitched an American flag. But I had no needle. So I'm sweating. There's five minutes till the meeting starts. You have two butt cheeks. Yes. People are like, why didn't you wrap your coat around your waist? I was like, a blazer? I was like, how do I wrap a blazer around my waist? I was like, "Um." so all of a sudden someone comes in with a bag and said, I was told to to bring these pants to you. I was like, fantastic. So I pull them out. And not only were they wrinkled, but someone had just been wearing them because they were warm. <laughs> and I was picturing some poor woman sitting behind her desk. <laughs> Get those off now. <laughs> Exactly what happened. There was some half naked woman I felt <laughs> sitting in her undies. Like Goldilocks right and up. the three bears because I tried those pair of pants on and I think they were petites. Because <laughs> they did not fit. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they were too short and just too tight. <laughs> I didn't want to rip a second pair. And there was a second pair in there. How many minutes till the meeting? The second pair, oh, I'm I'm like two minutes now. The second pair still held the belt in them. (laughs) (laughs) I just snorted. 
running back and forth with the pants. I don't know. <laughs> I never got her name. <laughs> but for me, she was on a white horse. <laughs> um, and then she had a skirt, a brand new skirt. And I was like, perfect. I'll wear the skirt. So now, of course, I'm like, it's, it's, pa- it's past time. I'm, I'm late. And I literally walk in and there's silence. <laughs> They're all in there. Including yes. the president. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Mr. Infantino is sitting at the front. And I have my backpack with my head down going, sorry, excuse me, sorry. Apologies, apologies. And I sit down and I'm praying. I'm praying that the woman leaned over to the secretary general and said, it, it was important that she be late. She had a wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. <laughs> but I literally... Johnny, you know. But So I pose the question to you, what do you do? If you have a meeting with your boss, <laughs> do you go in looking highly inappropriate and be on time? Or do you solve the wardrobe malfunction and arrive late? <laughs> now, if it was... I could have walked in in the towel. Right. If it was a group of us, it depends what that meeting is. It's FIFA in Zurich at the yeah. headquarters. You do what you did. You did not go in with two butt cheeks hanging out. As me and Ham. Icon. That's so, funny. when I flew back from the meeting, flew back straight to Tony's um, kind of celebration of life. And I told Jules and I had breakfast that morning with John Langle. And I told him that story. And we were all crying. And it was just, uh. it was like... It was perfect for... I know, for to lighten the mood. Yeah. And someone's <laughs> like, did you bring two pairs of pants? I'm like, uh, yeah, the other one was at the hotel. It's like, I couldn't go back. Right. You didn't have time. No. Problem solved. I mean, uh-huh. oh, and the other funny part is we found a needle, but I'm so... My eyesight is so bad now, I couldn't even... Right. Like, thread Threaded. the needle. <laughs> I had to walk out in my towel, and I'm like, can someone do this for me? I couldn't even see it. The problem of women in their mid-40s. Oh, I can't see. Literally, Lynn, I think I've heard that story seven times now. And I listened to it this morning again as we were preparing for the dopies. And I wet my pants again. I know I have a problem, but she is damn funny. Mia. What's your favorite line from the story? (laughs) My favorite line was was when she was like, I think they came off. I think she was petite because they they were really short and they didn't fit. Or no, no. Maybe when she said they were warm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Mine is (laughs) I had no needle. But enough thread to stitch an American flag. Mia's uh, funny. Yeah, that was a good one. If we do, Julie, if we do nothing else in this podcast except put that story out in the world, we have yeah. done our job. You're welcome. Okay, our third award is called the Words to Live By Award. It comes from Mary MC Hammer Carrillo with her wise words. Be the idiot who says yes. You said to me when I uh, called you one time early in my career, I said, um, and you probably don't remember this, but I actually used it in my book, um, which is called Choose to Matter, available on Amazon for $10. (laughs) Choose to Matter, being courageously and fabulously you. Brought to you by Julie Vani. So I I called you and said, Carrillo, how did you... uh, how did you branch out, right? How did you, because I, I, I mean, I like soccer, to, to your point, right? I love my sport. My sport has given me so much, but I really am so curious about other things. Yes. And, um, 
And you, uh, I never got your clearance to use this. Apologies. <laughs> You're telling me now? Yeah, no, I'm telling uh, you. What, the hell, what did I say to you? <laughs> you, were, you were, I said, how, like, how did you decide to, you know, host figure skating at the Olympics? And you were, and you, with your, your, your trademark laugh, which I love so much, you know, this howl, you were like, because this idiot said yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> they asked me if I wanted to host the late night for the Olympics. And guess what? This idiot <laughs> said yes. I, that's <laughs> great advice, right? And, and clearly you listened. Your advice was clearly be the idiot who be says yes. Be the idiot yes. who says yes, exactly. I, I, the stuff I've said yes to is like, wait, even like my kids or my mother, they'll say, wait, you're... You're gonna do what? Like, what? What do you think it is you can you can do? And again, my attitude is: if I can't do it, I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, "I'm in." But I'll tell you what: the going back to our our friends at HBO, HBO decided to do um, a documentary. It was the first one I ever worked on um, about the history of women in sports. Dare to compete. Dare to compete. Great and documentary. Donna Deverona and Billie Jean King were going to be the consultants on the project. And Billy said, why don't we bring Mary in? You know, she just started working. I just started calling Wimbledon for them. So here I am in a room with all these really smart people, and and I'm all excited. And, you know, like the idiot I am, I've got, I've got my hand raised. I've got great ideas. Here's who we should, and let's not forget her, and we should get race car driving. I'm, I'm being so annoying <laughs> that I went from being a, a consultant that day to Ross Greenberg uh, saying, why don't you do some of these interviews you want to do? Yes. <laughs> I just said, yeah, yes, indeed. So I went from being a consultant to doing a bunch of interviews to by the end of it, I co-wrote this documentary with Frank DeFord. Frank did the first half of the wow. documentary and I did from Billie Jean King on. I did from the 60s on. Ah. And that was just because, again, I, I have a lot of enthusiasm, <laughs> as, as you may have known. <laughs> That's I, funny. I never I, noticed that about you. I've, and I've got brain cells I want to rub together. And again, it's that whole curiosity thing and that whole like... I've got bugs I want to snorkel. I got things. I, Metals to win. There are bugs to snorkel. <laughs> There's only one and I'm uh, done. She also, Carillo, full of nuggets of wisdom, comes as no surprise. She also had this great line from her dad, uh, Tony Carillo which he called the 11th commandment, thou shall not waste. And what we discussed on the podcast was how that applies to everything in life, of course. Um, And it was just so good. Okay, for our next award, someone who lives life to the fullest is our next award winner. It's called the most likely to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. And you know who this is to our dope village. It is the Jessica Mendoza. And here Jess talks about her attitude toward going after opportunities, which she does with a feistiness that I love and adore. Okay, go back to to the actual decision to say, okay, I'm ready to get in that booth. Because I think for a lot of people, and it may not be going to call men's, you know, pro baseball, but they come across this in their life, right? You have to make this incredible leap. And there are so many times where people are probably in their lives going, hell no, I am not doing that. Or you don't feel prepared. Yeah, you don't feel prepared. What made you have the confidence to make that leap? Or the craziness? Um, well, I am crazy. One, there's true a part of me that kind of craves that. I crave pressure. People ask me all the time, "Do you miss playing?" And I feel like because of my job, and not just doing baseball, but just television, there's a part of me that when my heart is pounding and I'm sweating and I'm nervous and I don't know what the heck's gonna happen when that red light goes on, it's kind of like being in the bottom of the seventh and bases are loaded and I'm up to bat and I don't know what the result's gonna be and my heart's pounding and it's a big moment. I realize that's why I played. There's a lot of reasons I love playing sports. You know, my sisters, all the you know people that you're out there, the teammates, all of that. But to be honest, at the core of me was just that feeling of a ton of pressure. You didn't know what was going to happen. You're outside your comfort zone. But God, does it feel good. Yeah. I crave moments where I know that I could totally fail or I I could succeed, but it's a a big moment. 
You know, it's a big deal. And there's some sick part of me, you know, I like jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> like, you know, when I'm nervous and I'm scared, I know that that means something great is about to happen. Has that always been you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have doubt. It's not like I, I've always hit these moments head on. I've definitely been like, shoot, should I? You wear a helmet. Yeah. Like I, well, I, <laughs> I wouldn't say Extra cautious. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been the person that jumps in, jumps off the cliff, and then figures out, like, midair, did I bring a parachute? Like, <laughs> just do it, and then figure out, once you're in it, what you need to do to be good at it, or, like, get out of it. Um, because once, for me, once I start thinking about it, can I do this? Should I jump in? You know, that first Sunday night game, was I prepared? If I, the more I thought about it, the answer's no. I wasn't ready. Mm. I didn't know the sport at the level that Sunday night baseball required. You know, I... I, I wasn't at a position to where, yeah, I could go and just crush any game at any point, you know, but you do it and then you figure it out after that. It doesn't mean you're going to succeed sister. at it. Yeah. But how many, how many of us don't raise our hand? That's the hardest part is just being able to take that first leap, that first step. It's That's that rush too. Yeah. Of here I go. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! It's the roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> Where am I landing? <laughs> Forgot to think about it. <laughs> we love us some Jess Mendoza. We sure do. Jess is the best. In fact, quite a few people have told me that that was one of their favorite episodes. Yeah, she is. She's a gem. I love that woman. Our next award winner will now forever have a special place in my heart for many reasons, foremost of which is her love of donuts. So we are calling this dopey the may have more of a donut problem than Julie Award. Give it up for Miss Michaela Schifrin. The clip I love is when she's talking about goals versus expectations and talk about a wise soul, Miss Michaela Schifrin. I mean, she at 24 years old is amazing. And then we're going to follow that one up with one of Lynn's favorite moments from season one with her as well. Michaela told us how she deals with fear and the advice she gave on that episode is actually something I've used since then. So here is Michaela Schifrin. I'm fascinated with your ability to not be um, consumed with expectations, which is so healthy. There's a difference between goal and expectation. Like expectation is sort of the thing that makes you feel an unnecessary amount of disappointment, whereas goals goals are the things that drive you. Yeah. So you keep oh, your goal. You keep your goals lofty, really, really lofty. Like be ambitious and set your goals and dreams really high. And keep your standards high. Keep your standards high for, you know, the people that surround you, your your standards for you, the way you act, the way you train, your work ethic, all of these pieces. But the expectations have no place there. For mm. me, that's, they just don't, because that, it just, what, you walk away feeling like a failure right. if you don't meet this expectation, especially with success comes higher expectations. And at some point, you just can't like live up to that. But that doesn't mean you are a failure. Well, and, and on top of that, to be heralded as the greatest of all time already. I mean, most people hit that towards the end of their career. The greats, right? So you look at the different sports, Michael, Jordan, right? Uh, LeBron. I mean, they're, they were at the tail end of their career. And of course, they were great during it. But you and... In what feels like, still, you just turned 24. You're already heralded as the greatest. Right. But under the assumption that I keep going on this trajectory, which I'm perfectly aware that it can stop at any time, especially if I spend too much time, you know, sitting on the couch reminiscing about this last season. Or eating donuts or the eating, podcast. Well, you know, donuts, <laughs> I think I think donuts are always, always a good thing. Thank you, Michaela. <laughs> um, God, I love you. As I pound another one. <laughs> there has to be a little bit of fear, right? Yeah, and for me, there's definitely fear. Some athletes say they don't have fear, and I don't know how you couldn't. I, I also feel like fear is just another way of saying you have a healthy respect for what you're doing. Self-preservation. A little bit, yeah. And yeah, like you live to fight another day if push comes to shove. If I feel prepared, then that fear, it's just a very, very manageable level. Uh, so that's also where the training comes in, is mm -hmm. I just 
it mm-hmm. makes everything more enjoyable if I feel like I'm prepared. But there's always fear, especially when I get into the start of a, a super G or a downhill and I'm thinking like I'm going really fast now and this is it's still even with winning the Super G Globe this season, it's still fairly new to me. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, if this is going to be fast, like, get yourself prepared for that. Like, psych yourself up a little bit. How fast are you going? In downhill, it's somewhere, it's kind of between, like, 75 and 85 miles an hour. Good Lord. <laughs> Unhunts, essentially. Essentially. Skis. Um, And then in Super G, it's a little bit less than that. It could, I mean, it ranges... But top speed's probably around 65 or 70. GS is, again, shorter distance between the gates. It's a little bit slower, but it's still probably in the 40, 40s to 50s. Mm. And then slalom is probably around 20 to 30. You face fear every time you step into the start gate. And I'm just so curious how that translates into other parts of your life, because I'll never experience going 80 down, crazy, steep incline. But I certainly feel fear in my life at times. Yeah. Everybody feels fear. Yeah. Like raising my hand to do this podcast. I had a little bit of fear mm-hmm. in me. Well, I feel like every time that you feel a certain kind of fear, it trains your brain to understand that a little bit more. And next time you face something that scary, it's just a little bit less scary. Mm. Um, so, so that's mm-hmm. one thing. So you remember like, this is how I feel right now. But it's gonna like it's gonna get better, and next time I'm gonna face the same situation. It's not gonna be nearly as bad. I also think that like when you feel fear, a lot of times it's because you're trying to process the big picture about something. Like you're trying to process everything at one time, and if you break it down and you focus on like step by step. For instance, in a in a race day where I might feel un, an uncharacteristic amount of fear or you know jitters or something. It's like if I just kind of forget about the race and just focus on, okay, I'm going up the chairlift now and listen to my music and put your mind somewhere else. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm taking my warm-up run and this is what I, I want to feel, my ankles and knees and my ski boots and I want to feel like how my skis are reacting under my feet. And you focus on that moment. And so when people are like live in the moment, just don't don't plan for the future just live in the moment and I'm like well that's I mean that's I don't think that's really what that means it's just being able to be present with what you're doing it's not like forget about the future or never plan ahead or never be prepared it's just okay this is what I'm doing now and like focus on what you're doing some things are a lot scarier than others but if you just kind of break it down into pieces then that makes a difference but did you guys by any chance watch free solo yes so that I just was watched it. so interesting. The part about his amygdala and how it takes so much longer for his amygdala right. to even come into play. Right. That's sort of like if we were to go on skis together and you might be like, this is terrifying for me. And I'm like, this is normal for me. Well, that's because it's normal for me. So your amygdala is like lit mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. thinking you're this, you're out of your comfort zone. But as you do that a couple more times, it's then you, you get to the next level. You know what I, I think know. also I found helps is being okay with that jittery feeling. By doing, you learn that, okay, those butterflies are actually a good thing. Right. It means you care. And so that yeah. that is, there's like anxiety, which is for the most part destructive, but then there's just a little bit of like a healthy respect and some jitters for what you're doing. Mm. And that's that's good. And the more, it's also like... People think you can't perform if you're nervous, but you're actually, most of the world is probably performing under some form of stress or nervous or jitters or something like that. So you just, you learn to have that feeling and to compartmentalize it and then to do what you're doing. Yeah, channel it. Channel it in a positive way. There was a woman who worked with our national team, Colleen Hacker. Mm -hmm. I call her Flash because she is like a flashlight that like beams light into every place in your world, right? You're like, oh, after you're with her, you're like, oh, thank you for that. Yay. (laughs) But I went to her. She worked with our team. She was basically our mental skills coach. And I would go to her and say, these butterflies, like they're driving me crazy. I said, I hate them. I hate them. She's like, don't hate them. To yeah. your point. Like, that means you care. Yeah. You're invested viscerally, emotionally, yeah. and that's a great thing. Now just teach them to fly in formation. Yeah. I was like, oh, 
how do I do that? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds great. How do I do it? And then she had these like strategies for yeah. us. You know well, that mm-hmm. that like you know I wear a hairband. I still do around my mm-hmm. my wrist. And literally in the game, I would snap it physically. Yeah. Snap it to kind of it like just, physically remind you to mentally snap out of it. It just, and it works. It just gives you a little bit of a something. It told yeah. You can totally train your brain to mm-hmm. to channel. Brain's it. a very malleable thing. Lynn, let's be clear. Me at 24, (laughs) I basically was probably on a couch eating Cheetos and drinking large chocolate milkshakes, (laughs) not talking like Michaela talks and probably watching (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I'm with you there, Jules. Oh my gosh. Okay, this next award goes to someone who I have had the pleasure of being around for a long time. And when I'm with her, I always try and just soak up her wisdom. So, the next award is called the I Want This Voice as My Alarm Award with the great Bri Scurry, former teammate, of course, with the U.S. Women's National Team. Now, Bri has a very soft, nice, soothing voice. That's why she's going to be my alarm award. Um, But Bri spoke to us about something near and dear to her heart and it's an issue resulting from a concussion she had while playing that included depression and now she's speaking up about it and sharing the experience with us uh, meant a great deal and here is Bryce Scurry let's talk about the concussion okay because I had no idea as a teammate I'm embarrassed to admit how much you were dealing with that yeah. And I know that was at the end of your career as well, right. when when you say you had to retire from your career. But I remember you talking about it one day, years after we had retired, mm-hmm. and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that you were going through all this. Yeah. What was it when you, when people think of concussion, I don't think they understand the ramifications right. and that all, and all that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So can you give some perspective on how hard it is? Sure. So in my particular case, this happened playing club ball. So I'd already retired from international. So I'd retired from the national team in 2008, and this happened in 2010 when I was with the Washington Freedom. And essentially, it was a seemingly innocent play. Um, I got a knee to the side of my head. The ball was low, and the forward was trying to, to nip in front with the toe and kneed me in the side of my head with her knee. Essentially what happened was the symptoms came. I had a basket of symptoms. I had headaches. I had insomnia. I had um, depression. And I essentially like basically slid off the grid. Um, The good news was I was 38 and not 18. Um, And I had a great career beforehand. I slid off the grid and I kind of withdrew into myself. So I was basically in the wilderness is what I called it. Hmm. It's a detachment. Like if you if you consider, um, think of yourself as like connected to everyone around you. Like you have your friends, you have your family, you have other people. You feel energy from them. Having a concussion is almost like you got unplugged from everybody, and so your perception of everything changes. Because when your head isn't right, when you have a concussion, everything is is affected. Hmm. So it's very very different from a, an injury of your knee or your ankle. So I felt withdrawn emotionally, and then I also had the physical symptoms. So over time, my depression got heavier, Mm. and my headaches got worse, and you just essentially slide into this area where you don't know who you are or if you're ever going to get back to where you were. And I was depressed. I was suicidal. It was really bad, and I wasn't really willing to talk to people about how deep in the hole I was. And people knew I had issues, but I really wasn't talking about it, and I essentially disappeared. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part of the reason why I was so um, animated about my advocacy, and I'm very honest about how bad it got for me, because I want people to know that it's okay to talk about how bad it gets, about your anxiety, about your panic, about your 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 like literally crippling depression at times because you have these headaches and you have these symptoms that make you feel like you're somebody else. Mm. And it's very 
difficult to see a way back. It's almost like you've been separated from who you are and you're trying to climb back up to that person. And if you don't get the symptoms and the issues taken care of by a specialist, then you're going to always be a little bit less of who you are. Well, and the hard thing is with concussion is you you don't see it. It's not a broken arm. Exactly. There's no brace. There's no cast. Mm-hmm. You look fine. You look fine. Mm-hmm. Go back. You're good. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, those are all the things that people hear. Right. And it's hard to explain the what's wrong with you, right? It's like, I just don't feel right. I just, I'm, mm-hmm. for, in particular for, for kids and for parents, it's really hard because a child has a hard time explaining how they're different. Mm-hmm. And the key that I tell parents all the time is, has your child changed their habits Things that used to make them happy, are they are they social? Were they like mm-hmm. outgoing? And now they're a little bit withdrawn, are they a little bit, you know, quiet? Are they not so engaged in family? Mm-hmm. And that's not them. It's the hit, it's the concussion mm. that's doing it. Gosh. You know, and you have to help guide them back. Yeah. Thank you for doing that work. Yeah. It doesn't get talked about enough. That's why it I doesn't. wanted to ask you about it because it doesn't. It is such a hidden issue. Mm-hmm. Especially for women. It's so important that Bri is talking about this because it's something that doesn't get discussed enough. And um, and so I'm so grateful for her doing that. And I have a lot of gratitude for all of my teammates, in fact, even those who like to make fun of me. So our next award is the Most Likely to Put Julie in Her Place Award, Most Likely to Remind Julie About Her Donut Problem, most likely to remind Julie she is not the boss of me. <laughs> and it's a tie between my teammates, Christine Lilly and Brandy Chastain. That was a fun conversation. <laughs> We're, it's always fun with them. We're going to play a moment where this happens, and I may or may not have snorted from laughing so hard. For those keeping track at home, Jules, you had two snorts this season. One was during this Brandy and Lil interaction, and the other was during the Mia Ham split pants story. We do have a snort count. <laughs> nice. <laughs> do you remember when we lived together? And I just drank like, wine and watched. Yeah. You, no, <laughs> I'm a good sous chef, too. Yeah, you and, and Me Lil and Jules were good. Because Jules, you were good with cereal. And, <laughs> and me and Brandy awesome would talk about recipes. She could really pour a, a gallon mm. of milk. I am excellent with toast. Yeah, it's real good. Oh, Bill, I do. do I miss those days in Manhattan Beach. Manhattan. Manhattan. The greatest is we would be heading to practice, and then we'd go by that Starbucks, and there'd be like a hundred people in Starbucks. I'm like, does anyone work around here? <laughs> no, they no, don't. They, they, well, they have their work. own company. That's why so they, they live do. there. But then the view would leave the ocean, and then we'd go to oh. soccer, and it was just... I thought, I like the ride on the way home from soccer, right? You come down Manhattan Beach Boulevard, know, and yeah. you crest up at the top, and then you see the ocean, and you're like, da-da-da. It was like... I hope Mia appreciates her views she has. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Julie told a story that <coughs> after practices sometimes, you guys would go and shag balls for beach volleyball players who were training mm. for the Olympics. Oh my gosh, yes, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that, Lynn. I'm glad I have you in my life to remember all the things. The shit I, I think can't you remember. missed a piece of the donut on your computer. I, I, have, I have the donut all over my. <laughs> computer. What are you doing? Okay, let me set the scene, Julie. I'm setting the scene. Julie sitting in a leather. I saw it. There it is. Well, what do you call that kind of chair you're sitting in right now? I don't know, but it's very reclining. I feel <laughs> like I'm doing an ab leather. workout it's, right now. Tray chic. Um, with a nice um, woolly. This, this hotel is Tracy. It is very Tracy. Very nice. Um, but she's sitting. She has the laptop on her lap, mm-hmm. and she had her donut. Her like her um, glazed donut, and all the sugar has fallen off onto her keyboard. And she is one by one licking her finger, picking up the sugar, and eating it. Like honest to God, you are. That's why we eight. love you so much. Eight. Years old. Like, oh like, my gosh! Most people say about six. <laughs> Where were we? I'm gonna have volleyball, New York. Oh, volleyball. Oh yeah, volleyball. Yes, Elaine Young. Yep. Elaine Young. Yeah. Remember, yes. she uh, was a soccerette. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh my gosh! Why? Nobody even attempts the scene. Well, I want to know why you have to put your foot out like that. Because I'm 50. She I'm 50 is years old. mean. 
I do love them. I do. I do love them a lot, even though <laughs> we like to make great fun of each other, which is the best part of teammates. One of the things I noticed that I pointed out in the takeaways, which you really loved, is the fact that you guys will say something really sentimental and then immediately start making fun of each other, which is yep. truly a sign of friendship. Um, all right, on to more soccer greatness. And mind you, we talked to a lot of great soccer minds on this podcast. Not only soccer minds, of course. We go across all sports, but we did talk to like Mia, Abby, Tobin, just to name a few, Christine, Brandy, of course, we just mentioned. But the most knowledgeable soccer mind award goes to none of them. It goes to our friend Glennon Doyle. And a little setup for this clip. I saw an Instagram post from Glennon that literally made me snort count, snort out loud. I find your sideline posts to be hysterical. Yeah. Perhaps my favorite of all time was you as official field marshal. She was it yesterday. Julie, shit I was Julie. I was called in for a second term. What? I was reelected Wait, first- field marshal. You you made it back for the second time. You got the vest back. Yeah. To be fair, there were no other volunteers besides me. She loves Wait, it. rewind to the first one because, like, literally, I don't think I have giggled for as long as I did about that post. I just kept giggling. I kept rereading it, and then I'd giggle again. Okay, can so I set can the you, stage? Yeah, set the scene, please. Set the scene. The parents of soccer players. It is as if these people who have, were sane one hour ago. Just sit down. Something about sitting in those straw chairs on the side just makes everyone lose their dumb mind. And and um, all the screaming and all the like, run faster, like as if they haven't thought of that. Right? Like as if they forgot that running fast is important. Like all the things. And so I turn into a bitch on the sidelines. <laughs> because in my in my attempt to make everyone nicer, I turn nasty. Okay? Which this is a lot of fun for Abby. Okay, because she's just trying to watch the game. So I'm mad at everyone on the sidelines all day. I feel like I need to control everyone. I need to be the kindness police. So one morning on the way to soccer, Abby said, I just think it might be nicer for everyone involved if you just stop that. Relax about it. And so I really do often think I'm just kind of like a I mean, it's self-appointed boss of the universe. Okay, I have good ideas. She but does. I do have good ideas, you right? Do. But everyone doesn't always like them. So no, they don't. No. So so I said, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take. I'm going to unappoint myself as boss. Julie, we walk onto the sidelines. Literally this, this day, you have this, this conversation. Yes. We walk onto the sidelines, <laughs> and a man approaches me. The man is holding a neon vest, and he says, "Glennon." would you like to be the field marshal of this game? And I said, I'm sorry, what does that mean? And he said, well, your official duties will be to make sure that everyone on the sidelines is behaving. (laughs) And this is when I understood that there was a God and that this God loved me (laughs) and also agrees I have good ideas. So I put on the vest and I I feel that the sidelines were unbelievably beautiful that day. Do you think? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, they were. Yeah. You were wearing a shirt that was very similar to that one. Too. Yeah, that was the shirt yeah. that I was Wait, wearing. Read it, it says, for me again. Love is still the most powerful force on the planet. So okay. I was we, we was, we had a game of love, a soccer game of love that day. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I was reappointed. But this is the bane of all parents' existence. Not me. No parents want no. to do this job. Glennon is like, she, both hands raised. Yes. It's like when you stood up when Abby walked exactly. in the room. Yeah. Arms out. Pick me. I want to wear the vest all day. I think I would wear the vest. Mm, I would put that would. vest on and I would put my love you as had the a most funny powerful first force. Experience, and Ian had to kind of reel you in, oh, right? I did. I did. I, um, the first game Izzy ever played in as a soccer player, I was like, I am never going to be that mom. Right. Izzy was in a little, like, you know, when they were like seven, you know, they're always like mobbed together. Mm-hmm. And she was outside of <laughs> this pack and it popped to her. And it was like her to the goal. And I was like, you take that ball and you run, Izzy. You just run. <laughs> and Ian, my husband looked at me like, he goes, paging crazy soccer mom. <laughs> and all the parents, because, you know, they didn't know me that well yet. It was the first game. They were like, oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know what? That's another joy of the field marshal. When you put on that vest, you somehow are your best self. Yes. So it also keeps me from doing from doing things. that. Yeah, yeah, Glennon definitely has a has. A, she's she's got a track record for getting upset at the other kids. 
I don't know if we need to go into that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's the refereeing. <laughs> it's the refereeing mostly. You know, the, the $5 or $10 an hour that these the people... The 15-year-old. You also heard Abby Wambach in that clip. Uh, and that entire episode, actually, with Glennon and Abby, which was our season one opening episode, is fantastic. Talking about how they met and their relationship and all of that. But Abby also gets her own award. It's called the Leader of the Pack Award, which comes as no surprise if you haven't got her book, Wolfpack, it's amazing. You should get it. And I'm so proud of all that Abby is doing right now in this leadership space, which is awesome to see. All right. Next up, the Nerd Nation Award. That's because we talked to two swimming superstars from the great fine institution of Stanford University, Katie Ledecky, Simone Manuel. We interviewed them together at Stanford. This clip is a fun exchange between the three of you during the interview. I will tell you, when I came back to my 10-year reunion for Stanford, everyone was like, I'm a lawyer at this firm, and I'm a surgeon over here, and, you know, doing all these amazing things. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I play shocker. (laughs) And they're like, still? I was like, yep. It feels, it feels weird telling people that because um, a couple of days ago in my apartment, I was in the elevator and they're like, oh, what's someone at Stanford doing here? Because I was wearing my Stanford backpack. And I was they're like, are you in school? And I was like, no. And they're like, do you work there? I was like, I'm a professional swimmer. And people are like, okay, like, are you good? <laughs> you know, it's not right. a profession you hear about a lot. So, <laughs> Do you get that too? We, I think we both get those questions where when people don't know who we are and they find out you're a swimmer, it might be like an Uber drive or something, and you're talking to the driver, just making conversation, and ask you what you're doing, like, say you're a swimmer, are you good? So yeah, Stanford swim team's really good. <laughs> like, but we're super oh, casual about it. Don't they have some Olympians on that team? Like, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I see how long I can go before... Gets to the point. Sometimes I can get through a drive. Really? Yeah. Do they ever go like, Katie, Katie, huh? No. Uh, <laughs> well, sometimes. Sometimes they'll say, oh, are you Katie? Or it'll be, you look familiar. And that's how it'll start. And then I just won't say anything. <laughs> See if they get it. I get, Mia, my daughter loves you. <laughs> All right, another live pod we did was with the next winner and we are calling this dopey award the most soulful award and it goes to allison felix and it's both s-o-l-e full get it soulful because she's a sneakerhead and s-o-u-l full because she's such a thoughtful person so here she tells a story of when she gave birth to her beautiful baby girl Cameron, who we met actually at the podcast and is absolutely adorable. Okay, so you stop running at four months, you're doing your checkups, and then about at about seven months you go into one of your checkups. Yeah, right? so I went in um, at 32 weeks, I went into just what was a normal appointment and um, I was really excited because I was just kind of getting ready to feel confident enough to kind of share my news with the world. And I literally, like that same day, I was going to have a photo shoot and like do this whole thing where I was going to kind of like talk about what I had been going through. And so went into the appointment and um, there was some issues going on and they wanted to monitor me and um, they sent me over to the hospital and literally I didn't come home. I delivered the next day. And so it just threw me into, you know, I had, I had my birth plan. Like I wanted this complete, like natural experience. Like I had the, the room was picked out, like the whole deal. Right. And everything just changed, you know, and everyone had told me that like, you know, you, you have your birth plan and it's not going to go according to plan. Um, and it didn't, everything was different. It was really, really scary at that point, you know, to be 32 weeks and being like, okay, you're about to have a baby. I wasn't prepared. Like my classes were supposed to start the next day. Like, <laughs> you're like, I'm so, sorry, I need to do my classes. You know, first. I'm like, I'm not prepared. <laughs> but, um, you know, thankfully 
everything worked out and she was healthy. We spent uh, about a month in the NICU, um, Mm. which was really, really challenging for sure. Um, But I'm just, you know, I was just grateful that uh, she didn't have any major issues and we were able to come home. Yeah. Cammie was born in November 2018, three pounds, seven ounces, yes. right? Yeah, three pounds. She's here ounces. actually today she is as well. Somewhere. Where is Cammie? Is she in the back with Hanging Wes? Out. Yeah, with Uncle. Bro- uh, no, Uncle Wes, bless yeah. him as well. Yeah. So when you're at that checkup, what is the doctor saying to you? Oh, yeah, it's my baby. Um, <laughs> um, so she was just talking about some of the issues that were going on. And she was very calm. And so I actually, when she told me that I needed to go over to the hospital, I was like, well, I have this photo shoot, so can I do that first? And then I'll get over. And she was like, no, actually, this is more serious. Um, And so they were just kind of explaining to me what was going on. And, um, you know, they were going to try to get me to at least 34 weeks and stay in the hospital and all of that. But um, I had kind of a, a rough night, my first night there, and so it just didn't happen. But, um, yeah, thankfully I was in really good hands. What is that like when everything is going according to plan and well, and then yeah. in one moment your life is turned upside down? It's so crazy because I felt like I had this really easy pregnancy. Like, everything was going well. I was training well. I wasn't having any problems. I felt like I was able to do everything that I wanted to, you know? And um, it changed in an instant. And it was just so scary. You know, I'm an athlete. I'm a planner. I'm healthy. Like, I do things the way I'm supposed to do. And so it just, like, shook up my world, you know, mm-hmm. to now be in this situation where I have no control and I don't do well <laughs> with not having control. Um, and just really relying on my faith and um, kind of stepping back from, like, sport. I think sport has controlled my life for so long, even when thinking of having a family. You know, I think I've, I've prioritized it so much that it has, you know, at times consumed me. And so it was kind of this wake-up call that, you know, this is real life. Um, this is, you know, this is your daughter, this is your family, and this is what's important. So I kind of just went into my bubble at that point, and I was literally at the hospital with her, you know, around the clock, and um, just seeing her just being this amazing little fighter and um, just, you know, just being so strong um, just really, you know, encouraged and uplifted me as well, just spending my days in there and really showed me, you know, what's important. Allison did tell us during that interview that Cameron is doing awesome. And we so appreciate Allison, of course, for sharing her story about her. Another soulful person from season one is Tobin Heat. She is the recipient of the thrillist and chillest award because she seeks thrills but keeps it chill she's all about the adventure but so calm under pressure literally nothing rattles this woman it is amazing and jules you'll remember that this episode comes from an e60 interview you did with tobin we put out almost the entire interview as a podcast episode and in this clip tobin talks about her faith and how she gives gratitude. What role does your faith play in your life? It's huge. Um, I think for a lot of people, a lot of people want to like talk about, you know, their faith or or not just their faith. Maybe it's even like their work ethic. You know, they want to like show like, look how hard I'm working or say like, oh, I work really hard or same with their faith. Like, oh, this is what what I'm doing, this is why I'm grounded and stuff like that. And I think my my faith comes from this deep desire and love of God and people. And I don't think it's something that I have to go on top of a mountain and shout. I think it's something that's lived out in your daily decisions and practices. And I think faith and, and sport have always intertwined for me because at the end of the day, it's so great to be to give up control, which is hard as an athlete, and to say, my life isn't really mine. Mm. And I think with that comes a lot of freedom. Interesting. How does that 
manifest itself and and give me an example like in your in the game or in your daily life um so for instance i mean i don't really like talk that much about this kind of stuff but like i find like the soccer field to be like a place of thanks so i think like while i'm out playing like i love giving thanks so like every time i step on the field i say thanks you know like every time I have uh, the opportunity to put on a jersey. I say thanks. Like I always find these quiet moments in in my sport and in my practice to to give thanks because at the end of the day I'm incredibly grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Love that attitude of gratitude, Tobin. So refreshing. And someone else with a fantastic attitude is Crystal Dunn, who gets the Making Lemonade Out of Lemons Award. Because Crystal Dunn was the last player cut before the 2015 World Cup. And even though she missed out on a World Cup, she ends up gaining a husband. She's the MVP of the NWSL, which is the Women's Professional Soccer League. And then, of course, she wins a World Cup in France this past summer. So we talked to her before the World Cup and got into what the journey has been like for Crystal. What is the biggest difference to Crystal Dunn in 2015 to Crystal Dunn today? Uh, Believe it or not, I smile a lot more. And I used to smile, I thought, back in the day, too. But I think now I just really wake up and I step into every training with, you know, the mentality of, you know, I'm going to put my all into it. If there's a bad training here, if there's a bad game here, okay, what can I do to uh, grow from this moment and just try and be at my best the very next moment that I'm given, you know? And I think 2015, I was very in my head. I was like, oh, made a bad pass or a bad play here, a bad play Mm -hmm. there. And I really thought me, like, making one error was going to be life and death. And I think right now it's about, you know, we're at this top level, you're going to you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have moments where you might even doubt yourself for a split second. But if you can not live in that time too long, you're always going to bounce back. Love that from Dunner. Love Dunner. Everyone knows that. All right, next up, the Just Like Us Award. Except that she's not because she's Simone Biles. She <laughs> she thought, this is my favorite part. This is not the clip. But I will tell you, she did think that she... She could get a house, buy a house, and get it in the same day. Um, because that's how the world exists nowadays, thanks to Amazon. Uh, but she's an absolute superstar, a living legend, and she tells us how she wants people to know she's just a regular person. What do you want people to understand about you? I want people to understand. I feel like at the end of the day, I'm a regular person. I'll wake up, I look just as bad, I have eye bags, I need to run to the grocery store, I'm late for this, I'm late for that. I'm just a normal person. I hit things with my car, like curbs and stuff, like I'm not perfect. I think people don't realize, oh, she has this perfect life. But at the end of the day, like I have mental breakdowns, I'll go cry, you know, my practices aren't always the best. I'm just a normal person. Where do you cry? Usually in the bed. <laughs> I was going to say in the shower. I yeah, the I don't best. like when people see me like cry and stuff. I'd rather just keep it to myself. What do you cry about? Depends. Yeah, last night I almost cried because I missed my boyfriend. Aww. But I didn't cry. I just You kept it together? Yeah. Oh, it was actually this morning because I woke up like seven times last night actually. Aw. I think crying in the shower is the safest bet. No one can see it. That's true. And you can like let it out. <laughs> <laughs> That is a good place, too. I'm going to try that. So remember, Dope Village, Simone Biles is just like us. Except she can do death-defying gymnastics moves that no one else in the world can do. (laughs) And she has moves named after her called the Biles. (laughs) Okay, on to the final award. The Clapback Award with Sydney LaRue Dwyer. This clip from Sid is about how, and Sid is a stud because she's out there pregnant and training with her professional team, the Orlando Pride, and I asked her about that and uh, training pregnant as she was and kind of being protected while she was training, and we got one of the greatest one-liners of the season from it. Here it is. 
So recently, Sid just posted a picture on uh, on Instagram of she's five and a half months pregnant, as you guys heard. She is training professionally and plays professionally with the women's team here in Orlando. Uh, and there she is at five and a half months Fragers. I love it. In her gear, out at training, and, and the post said, didn't think I'd be five and a half preg- months pregnant coming into this preseason, but here I am. Yeah. And there you are, doing it all. How do you do all that? Mm-hmm. I wanted to like still feel like myself, even though I'm pregnant. I think that there's this false thing about women and pregnancy and that we're like sick. But I think we're the strongest when we're, when we're carrying a child, so here I am. And what, what was the reaction you got? There was a lot of positive stuff, but there was also like really, really negative, bad, like, awful things to read about myself. But obviously I've talked to my OB and my husband, and I think that was the most important thing for us, is that I would never put my children in harm's way. So I think I know what's best for my body. I've been doing this for 24 years. You're you're like the quarterback with the bib on. (laughs) No one can tackle her. People think that I'm like going in playing a hundred percent like tackling people. That's that's not the case. Right, so. right. How do you deal with the negative comments that pop up? I think that I'm like used to it by now. So, right. and it's crazy because it's, it's mostly men who tell me like what I should be doing with my body, which <laughs> doesn't really make sense. So yeah, yesterday I kind of put that one to bed and I said. If you haven't pushed a baby out of your hoo-ha, then you can't really talk. <laughs> did you reply? Yeah, I did. Oh, no, he actually deactivated his account. So, yeah, it was you game over. Can't push a baby out of your hoo-ha. You can't, yeah. You got to sit this talk. one out. I love that. That really is the beauty of your social media is your sense of humor gets to come out like that. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. But sometimes, yeah, I think... I think my clapback game is strong. Do you know what I really hope about season two, Lynn? That we somehow get a hoo-ha reference in there again. (laughs) I think that's a good goal to have for season two. I like that. Right? Uh, don't forget, we're coming back for more with Season 2. World Cup Champs Week, October 14th through the 18th. Billy Jean King, October 23rd. But first, to close out, our first ever Dopey Awards. We are going to give our very own high-low cheer of Season 1. Lynn, you're up, sister. My high of Season 1 was Julie getting to work with you. Aww. That's nice. It's true. You make me laugh. You are the greatest partner in crime anyone could ever ask for. So that was fun. My low is there was one particular recording day that I won't mention specifics of. That was tough, but we got through it. And then my cheer is for all of our listeners. The response we've gotten has been Mm. wonderful, exceeded expectations, and to everyone who listens to this podcast, I give a big heartfelt thank you. Our village is dope. Our village is dope. Our village is dope. Okay, my high, and I didn't know we were going to do this, so literally this is me pulling it out of my butthole. Um, (laughs) Not the image you all wanted, I know. Books. I told you we don't we don't give our guests time to think it over, so you just have to do it. Just go. Okay, my high, my high. Um, one, I got to eat a lot of donuts. That's always good. I think I might be pregnant. I have so many donuts. I have a donut baby coming out of me. Um, but I got to eat, and I and as we discussed before season one with this podcast, I came into the podcast world thinking like, what are we doing? We're crazy. There's so many people in this space. How do you differentiate yourselves? And instead of that type of negative thinking, which is very unlike me, I should have been thinking, um, which is why Lynn is the one who convinced me to do this. Like, 
you're going to have an opportunity to learn about these women in a way that people don't know um, and to hear from them in a way that people have never heard from them. And that really has been the high for me. So thank you, Lynn, for forcing me to do this. No, I'm kidding. Um, because you're welcome, Julie. It's been so much fun to realize the difference from doing a two and a half minute piece for television versus sitting down and actually having a long conversation. It's been awesome. Um, my low, I, my low is, um, I don't, I don't know, Lynn, I still don't have a low, 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 low. Hello, can you go? I'm trying to think of a low. Uh, was there ever a podcast we did without donuts? Mia's didn't have any donuts. Why didn't we have yeah. any donuts at Mia's? I think that's before. I don't we, know. We started that tradition. What's weird is, we, wait, I take that back. Did we have donuts? We had them at Mia's. We did not have them at Carrie's. Carrie oh. Walsh Jennings. <laughs> Sorry, Carrie. So, that's yeah, we low. apologize. I actually would love to talk with Carrie again in the ramp up to the Olympics so we can have yeah. a do over there yeah okay and my cheer um is for lynn ozawi wowie who oh, got stop. this podcast off the ground literally bought the recording equipment herself and was like <laughs> listen sister we're on he's <laughs> like okay 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 into uh, mia and carrie walsh jenning for being our test guinea pigs I will never forget the moment that you sent me a text message that said, Mia is in. And that was Boom! the start. And then Carrie said yes to have their support. I mean, that was that. You want to talk about a high? That was a, a great day. That was yeah. fun. We interviewed them in the same day. First day of doing Women this. Women supporting women. It was cool. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Season one is in the books. Lynn and I are continuing to work on a really good season two for our dope village. And as always, we want to thank you all for listening. Help us spread the word. Hit us up on social media. We love your comments. Rate us on the Apple Podcast page. And remember, kids, as always, sing it with us. Laughter, Laughter permitted. permitted. How sweet it. <laughs> We need an S-weeping for our star.